answer for it. Uh, you know, so many times we don't know where it comes from or how it gets there, but we just seem to be embedded many times with that disappointment. Some of you, maybe you're disappointed in where you are in life. And I understand that. I think many people thought they'd be somewhere else or something else would be going on. Maybe there's a hurt in your marriage. Maybe you feel like you're the one spouse that seems to be giving everything while the other's not. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe your child's breaking your heart with some decisions that they're making. Hurt and pain, disappointment. It can be everywhere. And what we're going to do over these next three weeks is we're going to look to God's Word to say, you know, God, we need help with this. Show us what we need to do. And that's our goal. So let's begin this series with a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you right now. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would move mighty in these next several weeks. Lord, I, I happen to know from talking to so many people over the last 25 years that, that Lord, that, that's what we need when we're hurting. We need hope. We need to know that there's someone that cares. We need to know that there, there's a word for, for that hurt that we're dealing with. Father, I pray for the person that may be here in this room has been carrying hurt and disappointment for many years, so much so that it's even changed who they are and their personality and how people even know them. Father, I pray that, Lord, they can get freedom from the bondage that they're dealing with. And, Father, we just pray you just do a new work in them. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I said, we're going to begin a new series. I also, I want to welcome the Mission Serve team back. All you who went, y'all just stand right quick. Let's go ahead and stand. Those who are, yeah, look at there. Yeah, wow. Great job, team. You can be seated. We have no money, no gifts for you or anything. But we thank you. It sounds like y'all had a great week, and we appreciate y'all going out and sharing for us. Uh, those of you who were here last week, some of you may not know. I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes of something that happened last week. Y'all remember it got real dark in here and, uh, at times. And Well, uh, I thought the praise team was going to trip over a mic stand, so I moved it up on the stage uh, just before I came up here to speak. And then I whipped around, and there was Jonathan holding this podium. And I hit my bridge of my nose right there on the corner of that joker right there. It almost knocked me out. Just before I was getting, so I sat right back down. I saw the stars, and I'm sitting there like, the only thing I was thinking of, I'm going to get knocked out before I go preach the Easter message. <laughs> well, by Tuesday, I looked like I had been in a fight. I had two black eyes under here and on my nose, and it was just a great week in the Lord. I tell you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I had to tell people my wife did not hit me. Uh, I got hurt at church. <laughs> no, just yeah, on Easter. <laughs> but anyway, um, what a fun week that was. And uh, anyway, all right. Well, I, I do want us to look at this issue of hurt and disappointment. Look at the introduction there on your outline. Everyone experiences disappointment from things, events, and most often people. I think we know that if we're in relationships, we have the potential to be hurt. If we're in relationships, we have potential to be disappointed. And I'm, I bet you there are people that are here today that have given up on a lot of relationships. They've just kind of enclosed themselves. I know because I've talked to these people before. And, and what's happened is they've been hurt so many times that they, they've quit putting themselves out there. 
And it's very painful. It's a painful process. And, and, and so they got to the point where, you know, I'm not, I'm, going, I'm not going to allow this to happen to me again. And many of these same people have associated their hurt and their disappointment with God allowing it to come into their lives. And for some, they don't have the relationship they used to have with the Lord that they, that they have now. It's, it's become something different. It's become more superficial. But you see, I don't know where you are, but I can tell you God's word has a lot to say about what you're carrying when it comes to disappointment and hurt. Look on your outline again. How you handled disappointment in the past has made you what you are today. How you handle disappointment in the future will determine what you'll become tomorrow. And you may look at that and say, boy, you're really stretching that, aren't you? No, I've met the people. Listen, being in a church as long, I've been here 28 years, and I'm here to tell you, I've seen people. I've seen them grow. I've seen them go through seasons of life. And I'm here to tell you that I know people who've had disappointment and hurt in their life, and they're not the same people they once were because something happened in them. They didn't know how to deal with the pain. So this morning, we're going to look at Moses and how he dealt with disappointment and hurtful people. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. Now, some of you may be sitting here and say, Moses, why in the world would you pull him out to identify these things? I mean, we know the story of Moses, but are you aware that he could be the authority on disappointment? He really could. When you look at his life and look what God called him to, everywhere he turned, he was dealing with people that were hurting him and disappointing him. So much so that there had to be those times in which he was like, Lord, just, just kill me now. I don't want to do this anymore. And we see it from the time he was in Pharaoh's palace all the way to the time in which he led God's people for 40 years in the wilderness. Time after time after time, he was disappointed and he was hurt. And we see that. You see, back then, the Israelites' favorite pastime was complaining. They were very quick to criticize their leader. Their philosophy was, if you read the account, when in doubt, criticize Moses. They questioned Moses' motives, doubted his decisions, and even challenged his leadership. And even though he was the one that led them out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt, yet Moses continued to be faithful in the midst of the criticism, the hurt, and the disappointment. He was one of those who was faithful. It's not to say that he didn't kind of uh, get down on himself. We see that in God's word. But he remained faithful to the task God had given him. So there's some truths I want us to pull out of here this morning. Look on your outline. Disappointing truths. Great successes, great successes in life are often followed by failure. And above the word failure, or beside it, I want you to put perceived. Perceived failure. So many times we see failure just as failure. But many times failure is not failure. Many times failure is where God can do great things in our lives. And, and, and it's so it, we look at it as failure, but it's really perceived failure. It seemed the Israelites, if you think about what their journey was, they were always having a problem with water. Now, if you're in the desert, don't you think that probably would be a problem? I want you to think of this. First, there was too much water at the Red Sea. Then there was not enough water when they were in the desert. Then the water they found, the first water they found was bitter water. 
But then this is the account of how God turned bitterness into sweet water. So look at Exodus chapter 15, look at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Now look here at this picture. If you were to go to Israel, I had the privilege to go some, time, some years ago. I took this picture. This is on the, the Sinai Peninsula. This is probably what it looked like to them when they left just past the Red Sea and they traveled for several days. This is likely where they wound up. Now, how many of you would say great vacation destination? No, I, I think when we look at this, we, we see. Can you imagine being the Israelites leaving Egypt? Now, they were in bondage. They, they were in slavery. But yet they leave there and they go out into the middle of a desert and they got to be looking around saying, God, is this all you got? Can you imagine the disappointment? They kept hearing about Moses talking about the promised land. We're going to a great place, but this is where they were. And top it off, they have no water. And it says, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Now, this is no small problem. I want you to think about this. Most historians believe that Moses was trying to move as many as two to three million people. And guess what? They were all thirsty, okay? And at least a million thirsty animals and no drinkable water. Now, I want you to think about it when you go on a trip. You go on a four-hour trip, everybody's in the car. What happens after about 30 minutes into the trip? Are we there yet? Not only are we there yet, I'm thirsty. I got to use the bathroom. Can you imagine two to three million people over your shoulder saying all these different things? And that's what he was, deal he was dealt with, or he dealt with. Then it says in verse 22, it says, three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, what had just happened three days earlier? Just three days earlier, they came to the Red Sea. The seas opened up. They went across, the Bible says, on dry land, got on the other side, and then they looked back and saw the greatest army in the world at that time. Their enemies, by the way, God took care of them. God protected them. God provided for them. Three days later, they're doubting everything about what God's told them to do. And, and Moses is there, and he's having to lead these people. Can you imagine the pressure he was dealing with? Now they're wandering in the desert. What is going on? What's going wrong? Why did God lead them to Marah? I want you to think about that. It was God who left, led them there. Three days without water, they finally see water, and they can't even drink it. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Can you imagine what kind of pain, uh, pain that would be, disappointment? Verse 25 tells us what's going on. If you look near the end, it says this, there the Lord tested them. He tested them. Have you ever thought about God testing us? We know according to scripture, he doesn't tempt us. To tempt us would mean to try to get us to do evil, but we do know he tests us. We know he tested Abraham and I, when he carried Isaac up on Mount Moriah. And we know all these different stories where God does test people. And guess what? He tests us and he was testing them there. Many times, listen, our disappointments are tests that test our character, our faithfulness, and even our trust in God himself. Disappointments bring to light who we really are. Have you ever thought about that? Disappointments, hurt, 
really reveals more of who we are. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like who I am when I'm disappointed. I don't like who I am when I'm hurt. But you know, if you really think about it, it really does reveal what's at your core, what's really there, and what's really there that God can even use in your life. And so there there they are. Uh, Mariah, the Israelites, failed the test. They complain, they whined. What does your disappointment and hurt reveal about you? What is your Mara? What is it any is anything that disappoints you, anything that hurts you would be that for you. And God says it may be a test. And so we see that great successes in life are often followed by perceived failure. Now Moses lived this and yet he continued to be faithful. He continued to be faithful. Next. Great service in life is often followed by forgetfulness. Have you ever felt like that people didn't appreciate you? You as parents, no offense, teenager, I know you got your own battles you're dealing with. I'm talking to the parents, so y'all just tune me out right now. Go go ahead and look at Instagram. That'd be fine. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) But how many of you just, maybe as parents, you, you feel like everyone around you is just ungrateful for your contributions. You know what I'm saying? Your children, there's always more that you could be doing for them, <laughs> they think. And I'm not picking on you. I know y'all would never do that, but most parents, are, they do feel that. But, but, but it is. It's that whole idea of how much more do you want? Why, why is this never enough? And, 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 why, and, it, and many times it breeds a lot of disappointment. It breeds hurt. How about in marriages? I think there's a lot of people in marriages who are, who are just disappointed. It seems like every time they turn around, they're disappointed. Now, that could be both fault. It could be one that has such a high expectation that no one could meet, or it could be that no one's trying. And we need to realize, as John and Ginger were just saying a while ago, it takes investment. You got to invest in those things. And and so when you're looking here, that great service, when you put yourself out there and no one seems to appreciate you at work, or wherever. What do you do? Look at Exodus 15, verse 24. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? What are we going to drink? You know what the conversation turns to a little bit later? Why'd you even bring us out here? Who, who, who did you think you were listening to that thought we needed to be out here? I mean, it got bad. They were ready to turn their backs on him. You see, the Israelites had a short memory. The miracle at the Red Sea, just three days early, they had forgotten how God provided and protected them. Now, isn't that typical when we come to a problem, we forget all the things God's done for us in the past. When disappointment comes into your, li- in your, into your life, when hurt comes, what do you do? What is your reaction? Well, let me give you some things. Disappointment do's and don'ts. Number one don't curse your disappointments. Don't curse it. The Bible says in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Now, of course, this is talking about people, not events or things. He's talking about people. Now, now think about this. Moses did not say when he got to that point, he realized what was going on. He could have said something like this. You guys can forget it. I'm going to the promised land. Find your way back to Egypt however you want to. I'm heading out of here. He could have done that, couldn't he? But he didn't. He remained faithful to the task. 
You see, what happens is when you retaliate, God stops, I believe God stops acting on your behalf. He says, bless them, don't curse them. That person who, who has irritated you at work, who's let you down at school, that friend who's betrayed your confidence, the Bible says, don't curse them. Don't curse your disappointment. Don't curse your hurt. It'll lead to nowhere. So don't bog down in that. Number two, don't rehearse it. Don't rehearse your hurt. Don't rehearse your disappointment. Job 5, 2 says this. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish thing to do. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Have you noticed that every time you rehearse your hurt, your disappointment, what happens to it? It gets bigger and bigger. Even things that are innocent seem to do that. How many of you have a dad that always tells the same stories over and over again? Anybody have that? My kids say, I'm, I'm doing that now. I'm heading there now. And they tell me that every time they hear the story, if a couple years passes, the story gets grander. Isn't that cool how that happens? I mean, it just, it just seems to be better. Let me tell you more about it. You know, we do the same things with our hurt. Let me tell you what they did. You ain't going to believe what they did. 25 years ago, here's what they did. Can you tell they've worked through it with that language? But what happens is we rehearse it over and over again. And then we go and tell someone. And most people, I'm just going to be honest with you, most people don't have the courage to confront us many times with truth. And so you know what they do? They buy into the lie with us. And then you've got support for what you're believing. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It even gets to the point where this whole idea of who do they think they are? Do they not know who I am? Why would they do that? Next, don't nurse it. Don't nurse your disappointment and your hurt. So many times, here's what we do. We, we have a pity party. And let's be honest, some of you have been in a pity party or having a pity party for 10 years, 10, 15 years now. I've met people who, who've, who still play the role of the victim. And, and this happened to them 15 years ago. And I'm just here to tell you, that ain't, that's not good. That, that's a lot of years that you've wasted. And it's time to confront it. Don't take it captive. Don't take your hurt captive. Don't take it, your disappointment captive. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. That verse is loaded. Listen to this. Anger is not always wrong. Did you know that? It's not always wrong. It's how you deal with the anger that can possibly be wrong. So anger is not always wrong. However, there is right anger and wrong anger. When you hold on to anger, it is always wrong. If you're someone who, who anger, it just builds resentment in you and bitterness in you. Guess what? You failed that test. Wrong anger. Shouldn't be there. The Bible's very clear about it. Matter of fact, the same verses here says, nor give place to the devil. What that's saying is when you don't deal with your anger effectively, when you don't deal with your disappointments and your hurt effectively, you're giving the enemy a place, listen, to operate in your life. And by the way, he's never satisfied with a little bit of territory. Once he gets a foothold, he'll begin to expand his operation. He will. I've seen it happen to people. And the more he expands, listen, 
the harder it is to get back that territory he's taken. And so you need to, as Barney Fife used to say, nip it in the bud. You got to deal with it right then. Some of you are, who's Barney Fife? You need to watch more TV. Okay, no, here you go. <laughs> now, um, you may be saying to yourself, I've been victimized, I've been hurt. You don't know the type of hurt that I've been through. How can you tell me? Now, you're probably right. What you've dealt with in your past, some abuses you've had to deal with, some abuse you may be dealing with right now, you're probably right. I probably have never dealt with some of the things you're going through. And, and I'll give you that. But I'm here to tell you, we've all been hurt before. We've all been disappointed. We've all had our expectations not met. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that it feels very similar. And, and I agree, you're, you're right. There's some of you are dealing with some things in your life or have dealt with things, it's very scarring. And I understand that. But the same authority of God's word that speaks to me about where I'm hurt and where I'm disappointed speaks to you also. And it doesn't say, oh, and if this happens, you're right. You're okay. Be the victim. Live the victim. Always hold it over. It never says that about anything. And you know why? Because God wants the best for you. And he knows as long as you hold on to it. He knows as long as you give the enemy a place to operate in your life, he knows you'll never have peace. You'll never have joy. And I could, I could literally, listen, over the years of meeting people, I could literally line the stage up with people who've just chosen to hold on to their resentment and their anger and their hurt and their pain, and they've just gotten used to it. It's become a part of who they are, and that's a sad place to be, sad place to be. So you know what you have to do? You have to choose to not be the victim anymore. You've got to choose to quit rehearsing it over and over in your mind. You've got to choose to quit nursing it and cursing it. You've got to settle it. You've got to allow God to do a work in and through your life as a result of it. Can you imagine Jesus going back to heaven ahead of schedule? Can you imagine that? Came down here to, to die for mankind's sin. Came down here to have victory over death. And all of a sudden, about three years earlier, he shows up in heaven and the angels are saying, Lord, what are you doing here? I got sick and tired of them people down there. Everywhere I turned, they were criticizing me for this and doing that. And the religious crowd, you wouldn't believe what they were saying about me. I'm just sick of it. How many of you are glad he didn't take that approach? But you know something? If he did what he did and he was perfection and he's beyond anything, listen, think about where we are. How dare us think that we can hold things over on someone? Do's and don'ts. Do disperse it. Do disperse it. But where are you going to disperse it? Disperse it to God. Give it to him. Look at what happens in Exodus 15, verse 25. After all this happened, people revealed their hurt. They revealed their disappointment. So Moses, what? cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, notice the first part of verse 25. Moses cried out. Who did he cry out to? To the Lord. He, he dispersed it to the Lord. He, he didn't write a letter to the editor. He didn't go around telling everybody how upset he was. He wasn't going around gossiping about what was going on. He didn't tweet his disappointment. What did he do? He cried out to God. 
That's his first instinct was to cry out to God. You see, the Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord. You know what cares means? Now, most of us will say what we worry about. No, if you go look up that word and see what cares mean, it means worry, it means fear, it means our hurt, it means our disappointment. Cast it all on him, all on him. He's saying, give it to me, give it to me. Let, let me handle it. But here's the problem. We don't trust that he'll handle it the right way. Will he punish the person that hurt me enough? Will, will, will he get them back? Will he do it? Will he make them pay like I felt like I've had to pay? And we don't trust him many times. Do's and don'ts of disappointment. Do let God reverse it. Let him reverse it all. Let him give you a better perspective. It's Exodus 15. Look at verse 26. And God said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Now, why is he saying all this? Why is he saying all that? Here's why. Every commandment, and I've told you this before, that God's ever given was intended to get, he intended to protect you by giving you that word. And provide for you. But you know what the enemy tells us? The enemy says, God, he just don't want you to have fun. God, no, no, no. This is not right. This is not. But I, every one of them, go and look. Every command he's ever given us is intended to provide for us and protect us. And yet what happens? He says, you keep these things. And then he says, and I will put none of the diseases on you, which I brought forth on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord. And look at what he says. Who heals you. Have you ever thought about the fact you need healing? Isn't it amazing how in churches, because of what one group has done with the whole idea of healing, we don't even talk about healing? Have you ever noticed that? And that's a very dangerous place to be. And it's even more amazing about the healing that we always want. When we think, the first thing I think about when I hear healing, or maybe when you hear healing is, yeah, I need to be healed. And we always think about some physical ailment, don't we? I want to walk again. I want to see again. Yeah, those would be very convenient, wouldn't it? But it's much more than that. The greatest healing we need is spiritual healing. That by far exceeds all of them because that's what's eternal. But guess what? I, as being in the ministry for 25 years, the second one is still not physical healing. It's emotional healing. That's the greatest healing we need. We need to know how to deal with our hurt. We need to know how to deal with our disappointment. We need to know how to deal with the resentment and the bitterness that we're feeling. It's absolutely eating us alive if we don't. It's greater than any physical healing that we need. And he says this, for I am the Lord who heals you. God wants to reverse your hurt and disappointment. He wants to begin healing. He wants to show you the potential in your hurt. Have you ever looked at that? You know what most of us do? And I'm, I'm just as guilty as you are. And I went through a season of my life where I carried bitterness. I'm telling you, I carried it. And it was the most, listen, this may surprise you. It was the most prideful time of my life because I took on the role of a victim. Someone owed me something. How dare them do that to me? Most prideful time of my life when I took the role of a victim. When I didn't deal with my disappointment, my hurt, right? Most, most profitable time. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, what we need to understand is there's a bigger picture to our hurt 
There's a bigger picture to our disappointment. But what happens is just like what happened to me. That's all we see. We don't see anything else. We look at, we, listen, maybe, maybe our disappointment hurts directly toward this person, but guess what? When we turn to look at another person, guess what we got to look through? Disappointment and hurt. When I was carrying all that in my own self, I was a miserable person to be around. That's my wife. You know why? Because I just, I, I took that hurt everywhere I went. I took that disappointment everywhere I went. I had to look through that to see anything in my life. And some of you, listen, some of you are doing that right now. And you're just hurting yourself. Hurting those around you. Even those you don't intend to hurt. It's happening. Joseph of the Old Testament. He's one of the most respected men in all the Bible for me. Apart from Jesus himself. Joseph. You remember his story? He made a couple mistakes at the beginning. I don't think I'd go tell my brothers. One day, guys, you're going to be bound down to me. I don't think that would be something I'd, I hope I have enough wisdom not to say that. But he slipped up and did that. And what was interesting about that whole time is he pitted his brothers against him. From that point on, they sought to get rid of him. They took him out. They wanted to leave him for dead. They actually wanted to kill him. And then one of the older brothers stepped in and said, let's don't kill him. Let's sell him. So they sold him. He winds up in Egypt. He's misunderstood. He, 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 he's uh, uh, accused of something he never did. He spent 14 years in prison, the best we can tell. He went through it all. And then one day, he came face to face with those same brothers that started that process in his life. He did. He had all the power now. He was second in command over Egypt. Now think about it. Read the story. You don't believe me? Read the story. You'll see that he was. Had all the power he was. If he wanted them executed, all he had to do was say so. And he looked at them. And here's what he told them. One of the greatest verses in all the Bible. Look here. But as for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. You see, Joseph, listen, was appointed by God. This is the big picture thinking. Joseph was appointed by God to save his people, God's people. Because those 70 that eventually moved out of there and moved to Egypt during the famine, that was God's people. That's who they became, okay? He saved God's people. That's big picture thinking. Small picture thinking is, you did this to me. You sent me. You didn't send me directly to 14 years imprisonment, but guess what? The process of me getting there started with you. And he could have said, off with their heads or whatever, but he didn't. You know why? He saw the big picture. When's the last time you looked at what was going on in your life and said, God, what's the big picture here? What's the big picture? Is there something greater here? Can, can I be completely honest with you? All four Gospels end with a plea, and the book of Acts begins with a plea to win the lost. That is the greatest mandate that is placed on every one of our lives. Our happiness is not as high as that mandate. Do you realize that? That is the highest. Can you imagine that, that, that in this, what do you say? To save many people. 
Can you imagine that some of the hurt, some of the disappointment that you've experienced could be directed in such a way that if you saw the big picture, you might have the privilege of leading someone to Christ and change their life for eternity just because you saw a big picture in your small disappointment and your hurt? Some of you are sitting here today and say, again, you must not understand the kind of hurt I went through. You must not understand the abuse that I went through. You're right, I don't. But I'm here to show you a man in God's word who was misunderstood, abused time and time again, and yet he stood to say, hey, God had a part, listen, in the hurt that I experienced, in the disappointment that I experienced. He allowed it because he's a big picture kind of God. And guess what? You need to become a big picture kind of person. To see that there's a grander plan. That there's something greater than you could ever imagine that God wants to do with your life. Now, let's go to Hebrews 15. Look at verse 25 again. So he cried out. Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, here's what you need to understand. God provided the solution to turn the bitter experience into a sweet experience. Did you see that? He, he provided something. Sometimes God will provide, listen, a better perspective to turn the bitterness that we're experiencing into something sweet. I've seen it happen. I've seen where someone forgave another person and I looked at it and I thought to myself, how do you forgive another person for what they did to you? And they did. And it touched the heart of the person who, who, who kept them captive in their thoughts all that time. And they began to see God do a great work in them because God gave them a different perspective and it turned their bitterness into something sweet. Here's the problem with many of us. We're not willing to give that much to God. We're not willing to say, yeah, God, I trust you with it. I want to be a big picture kind of person. I'm sick and tired of living under this, this captivity of bitterness and anger. And, and, and it has changed who I am. It's changed me so much that over the last decade, my friends don't even know who I am anymore. I, it's just changed everything about me. I want to change. Notice it says, God showed him a tree. You know what's interesting about that? God didn't just create something and say, oh yeah, by the way, look over here. It was always there. It was always there. For some of you who've been carrying it for 10, 15 years, the answer's always been there. It's found in God's word. He provided it. it doesn't say he created it, it's there. The solution for turning the bitter experience into a sweet experience has been there all along. God didn't have to create it. It was always there. Listen, you will never see the solution to your disappointment as long as you are looking at yourself, as long as you're blaming someone else, as long as you're only looking at the hurt and disappointment in your life. It can be, it, the answer could be right there. You could almost trip over it, but you're too busy looking at yourself. You're too busy blaming someone else. You're too busy only looking at your disappointment and your hurt. It's right there. Let God heal you. Lastly, great shortages in life are often followed by fullness. Verse 27. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees and they camped there by the waters. Now Elam, let me tell you what that was, was an oasis. The Sinai Peninsula is miles and miles of barren desert. There's absolutely nothing there. Notice it says, then they came to Elam. I want to show you another picture here. 
This is where they believe Elam is. The reason they believe that is because underneath this desert are 12 springs of water. It's the only place in the, in the Sinai Peninsula that even has this capability. So it has to be where they camped. Isn't that amazing to think about? 12 springs of water equals what? How many tribes were there? 12. He provided for each of them. You see, God did it. He, it was just right there. If they had waited just a little bit longer before they, before they began to complain, before they got stuck in their disappointment and stuck in their hurt, if they just waited a little bit longer, there would have been a breakthrough. There would have been some, a, a time of fullness in their life. A number of years ago, a 747 plane crashed in the Andes Mountains with survivors. They began, the survivors began to cannibalize those who had already died in order to survive. Can you imagine having to do that? When the rescuers finally came in and rescued them, the people, the survivors were astonished to find that they had crashed less than six miles from a resort. The report said they'd been stuck there for 91 days. What happened? They got stuck. What happened? They did things that they never thought they'd ever do. You get the picture? You see what I'm saying? That's what happens when you get into bitterness and hurt. You do things you never thought you'd do. You say things you never thought you'd say. You react to things the way you never thought you'd react, and you just become a bitter person. And you get stuck. You get paralyzed. Because that's all you see. I want to close with this prayer for the disappointed. What I'd like for you to do is just right there in your seat, just bow your heads. And if you have an outline, I want you to look at this. Here's our prayer this morning. Jesus, help me to not give up. Help me to not get stuck in the bitter experience, but to push ahead, realizing that you can turn my disappointments into divine appointments. You can turn it around, God. I trust you to do it. I need you to do it. And then here's the application. Are you dealing properly with disappointment, with hurt in your life? How are you dealing with it? How long have you dealt with it? Here's some things, action steps. What are some actions you can do to get beyond your disappointment? What are some things that you can do? Second of all, what are some perspectives you need to change to get beyond your disappointment? Next week, I'm going to talk more about this. And there's something that you need to know. The first place you got to start to correct anything in your life that is ungodly is you got to identify the lie first. You got to identify what you're believing that's false. And then you got to replace it with truth. I tried to give you as much truth here today, and I'm going to give you some more truth the next two weeks. But I'm here to tell you, God wants so much more for you than you living as a victim. He died to give you the victory. Not only the victory over death, not only eternal home, he died to give you abundant life here in this world. Doesn't mean this is heaven. This will never be heaven, y'all. This will, as much as we want to beautify it or as much as we want to create, this will never be heaven. We're living in a fallen world with fallen people all around us that are hurting, that lash out at us. 
So guess what? The answer is found in God's word. The answer is found when you take God's word, take the lies away, replace it with truth. That's the only way you're going to navigate through this world in a way God wants you to navigate through it. Dealing with your hurt and disappointment in the way he's called you to. So what's stopping you? Would you stand to your feet, please? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, we just pray, Lord.